You've seen our research on social media. Now join us as we dive deeper into the public health topics of our time, featuring new studies and findings generated by our faculty and researchers committed to advancing health equity. From the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences at Keck School of Medicine of USC, this is Preventive Pros, the podcast. I am Dr. Marlena Fazo, and I am a geneticist and women's health researcher with a focus on nausea and vomiting in pregnancy and the most extreme form hyperemesis gravidarum. I am in the Center for Genetic Epidemiology in the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences in the Keck School of Medicine. In addition to working at USC, I also sit on the board of the Hyperemesis Education and Research Foundation, hyperemesis.org. They have excellent tools and resources for patients, their families, as well as for providers. I know that the OB department at USC uses their algorithm to treat patients that are hospitalized at County USC for HG. Uh, They have a scoring tool called the HELP score that helps to uh, get Uh, evaluate people with HG and see how their symptoms are and whether they're improving. Um, They have support groups, online support groups led by a psychologist uh, to help people who are going through this and help them to meet other people going through it and all sorts of incredible resources. So I have always been interested in studying women's health and I did my PhD in genetics in uterine fibroids or uterine lyomyoma is another name for them. And so uh, for my PhD thesis, I found the first genes associated with uterine fibroid tumors. And then I wanted to continue on studying uh, genetics of conditions and diseases of women. And I went on to do postdoc in breast cancer genetics and then multiple sclerosis, which is a disease that primarily affects women. And then I had very severe nausea and vomiting in my pregnancy. And so after that, I found that there was so little research done. So I decided to focus work on hyperemesis gravidarum uh, and nausea and vomiting of pregnancy genetics. uh, But there wasn't really a a place for me in that um, or support. So uh, at the same time, I also worked on ovarian and breast cancer genetics for many years. Uh, And now I'm fully focused on nausea and vomiting pregnancy and hyperemesis gravidarum. HG was very poorly researched in the past. And only recently have adverse maternal and child outcomes come to light, uh, even though it seems obvious to me because people with hyperemesis gravidarum or HG, they're literally starving in their pregnancy. So over a quarter of the women in my study had extreme weight loss where they were losing over 15% of their pre-pregnancy weight rather than gaining weight. And over 20% had the symptoms all nine months. So it's really a form of prolonged starvation and malnutrition in pregnancy. Uh, Patients are generally told not to take their prenatal vitamins. So it's not a big surprise that this 
results in severe nutritional deficiencies for the mother and the baby that lead to adverse outcomes. But these adverse outcomes have only recently come to light in the children, which include abnormal brain development, increased risk for neurodevelopmental delay and autism spectrum disorder, uh, childhood cancer and respiratory diseases like asthma. Um, I just saw a paper came out just today um, showing an increased risk for cardiovascular disease in children exposed in utero to HG as well. So uh, these recent studies showing these adverse outcomes uh, hopefully will draw more attention to the importance of the topic uh, as far as long-term outcomes. And let's not forget also that this is really uh, a horrible experience for the mothers, and they are at increased risk for postpartum depression and post-traumatic stress following HG pregnancies. So it's a really important and understudied topic, and uh, and really, I've been driving research in this area for over two decades, trying to get attention. So I'm, I'm really happy that finally um, it is getting some more significant attention, uh, which will hopefully help mothers and their children uh, in generations to come. There are several reasons that this area has been understudied. We didn't really know that there were adverse outcomes. So people think it's just self-limiting. It just occurs in pregnancy and then you're done and everything's fine afterwards. But now we uh, know that there really is an increased risk of adverse outcomes from it, which seems rather obvious considering the nutritional deficiencies, as I said. There are other reasons which include the thalidomide disaster, which occurred in the 1950s, where women with this condition were given the drug thalidomide uh, to treat it, and their babies were born with limb deformities, and that resulted in a fear from pharmaceutical companies in doing any more drug development in this area, as well as researchers then not getting funding for it, um, and fear of doctors to prescribe medications in pregnancy, and even fear of women who had it to take medication to treat it. So um, that really um, created kind of a deficit in progress. But in addition to that, I think there's really... Um, need for better education and for for doctors to question what they're taught. So um, historically, uh, there was this sort of misogynistic theory that it was uh, caused uh, partly uh, by the woman psychologically not wanting her baby or wanting attention. And so Unfortunately, that is still taught in some medical schools across the U.S. and around the world. And so the next generation of doctors is still learning that. And and then it, it makes people who are treated with this um, be treated poorly or brushed off by their doctors who just think they're uh, attention seekers or don't really want their baby or uh, you know, crazy reasons like that. Um, so we really need better education um, starting early on in the medical field to change that. It's really terrible for these women who are already under immense pressure to be able to eat healthfully during pregnancy and are unable to do that and want the best for their baby um, and have to make difficult decisions about taking medication in pregnancy 
in addition to feeling absolutely horrible day after day and night after night. So it's really uh, an unfortunate problem. So prior to this study, I had identified genes that were associated with hyperemesis. So uh, the the top risk gene, I had identified three different variations. Um, So genes are like recipes. So basically, I'd found three different recipes in the gene uh, that codes for uh, or makes this hormone called GDF-15, which actually is a nausea and vomiting hormone. And so uh, what we did in this current study was to really figure out the mechanism of what is going on with this gene and these changes in this gene and why they are causing an increased risk for people that have it to get HG. And so what we found was that people with HG are genetically predisposed to making too little of this hormone before pregnancy. So everybody has this hormone at low levels uh, prior to pregnancy. And uh, the problem with people with HG is that their levels are even lower than normal. And so during pregnancy, you get exposed from massive amounts of this hormone produced by the fetal part of the placenta. And so it pumps out a huge amount of this. And if you have lower levels prior to pregnancy, then you're hypersensitive to these massive amounts that get produced by the fetus uh, placenta during pregnancy. And so because of that hypersensitivity, uh, these patients are at increased risk for having nausea and vomiting. Uh, And then we also found that, uh, so there is this combination of the genetics of the mother as well as the genetics of the fetus because the fetus is the one that is determining uh, in part how much of this hormone you're having uh, during pregnancy. So it's both this lower level prior to pregnancy and the higher level during pregnancy that are increasing or determining your sensitivity to uh, getting nausea and vomiting in pregnancy and how severe it's going to be. So I've been really interested in the evolution uh, aspect, which of course is just speculative. We don't really know why, but what we think is that, so like I said, everybody has this hormone, not just pregnant women, and um, it is produced by the highest levels uh, in the placenta, uh, higher than any other healthy tissue. But it's also produced by tissues or cells when they are sick. So uh, anytime you have any cell or tissue in your body that's under stress uh, from infection or any kind of tissue damage, then that tissue is going to produce massive amounts of this hormone as well. And so what we think is happening here is that when you uh, are under some kind of physical stress, uh, your body is trying to tell you that it's a safer bet evolutionarily for you to rest and recover rather than to go out searching for food. So, you know, now it's just a quick trip to the market to get food, but you can imagine when, you know, 
many, 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 many centuries ago when we were, uh, you know, in the hunter-gathering phase, for example, uh, going out and searching for food was fraught with risks. And when you're in this kind of state where uh, you may be weak from some sort of uh, infection or um, disease, then you probably might have a greater risk to survive if you don't go out searching for food until you've rested and recovered. So there were there were many parts actually to this study. It was done in mice, it was done in humans, um, it was done in humans with a, a disease that increases their levels of GDF 15. There are many different parts. There was genetics, uh, human genetics done as well. My favorite experiment in the study was the mouse study, where basically what we did was to give mice a dose of this nauseum vomiting hormone GDF 15 that was similar to the dose that people have during pregnancy. And when mice got that high dose of GDF-15, they had a similar response to what we see in pregnant women. They lost weight, they uh, lost their appetites, they ate less. But if we gave mice a low dose of the hormone, about 10 times lower than that high dose, prior to giving them the high dose, they could be desensitized to the high dose of the hormone. And so then when we gave them the high dose, they did not have the loss of appetite or the weight loss. And so what's really exciting and clinically important for that is that it shows that this is a system a hormone system where desensitization can occur. And that suggests that if we can apply this to humans and it is applicable, we may be able to desensitize people to getting HG by treating them with this hormone or something that increases this hormone prior to pregnancy so that they are basically primed prior to pregnancy to the high levels uh, that they're going to have during pregnancy and that they don't have that extreme nausea and vomiting that they may have had in a previous pregnancy. It's sort of like what's done sometimes for getting people uh, to not have allergies. You give them low doses of the allergen. So that kind of thing, um, that kind of approach. This was an international study. So prior to this study, I had found these three variations in the gene for this nausea and vomiting hormone GDF-15. And we didn't really know how that those variations changed the gene. What we thought was that because it's a nausea and vomiting hormone, we hypothesized that these changes would lead to overactivity or overproduction of the hormone in pregnancy. But what we found in this international study when I partnered with Dr. Stephen O'Reilly from Cambridge and other international researchers that he had uh, put together to solve this problem uh, was uh, to understand what those changes were doing, we first found that the variation in 
those genes was associated with a lower level of the hormone rather than a higher level. So that was a big surprise to us um, because like I said, we were expecting it to code for a higher level, but um, then we went further to show that this was actually uh, a mechanism where the lower levels prior to pregnancy, so those lower levels during the non-pregnant state were what were making the patients hypersensitive. So the international team did a series of different studies to uh, prove this mechanism of desensitization uh, was occurring and that that was the major cause. And we also uh, showed that the hormone is mostly coming from the fetus rather than the mother. So the fetal part of the placenta is what is producing massive amounts of this. So it shows for the first time that there is uh, this genetics of the mother that is making the mother hypersensitive to this hormone that is produced by the fetus in pregnancy. So it's both the the mother's sensitivity and the amount that the fetus is making that are going to contribute to people's levels of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. So this has clinical implications uh, in two different ways because it means that we can possibly prevent hyperemesis by increasing the levels of the hormone prior to pregnancy, but also we may be able to treat HG by lowering the levels of the hormone during pregnancy or blocking its action. So one of the first studies I did uh, was to look at familial aggregation of hyperemesis. So we did find a 17-fold increased risk of having hyperemesis if your sister had it. And about a third of our participants also uh, had a mother who had more severe nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. So that suggests maybe a 30 percent increased risk of a mother to daughter transmission. Uh, we also uh, saw that it could come from both maternal and paternal grandmothers so equally. So equal numbers of people reported that their mo their mother's mother or their father's mother had HG. So uh, that's why some people may not see it in their family because it may come from the father's side and then the father's father. And so you may not always see it. Um, it's also uh, some of the variants that I found are not highly penetrant. So they just increase your risk a little bit. So it may also be a combination of genes that you need to inherit to get it. So a lot of people might not see it in their family at all. I didn't see it in my family personally. I had HG. Um, so that doesn't mean that it's not there in your genes. Uh, it just means that it's may be masked by other genes or that you need a combination of genes or that it comes from your father's side. I'm always surprised that 
It's not something that OBs ask their patients. They don't get a history of nausea and vomiting, and and it's hardly ever asked even at their first appointment whether they have nausea and vomiting. And so often people think it's normal, even though they're getting dehydrated and losing weight, and they don't know to ask their doctor for help. So that's also a problem um, that leads to undertreatment. So what's actually really exciting, so in addition to uh, the research that I'm continuing on this, I'm I'm doing a multi-ancestry genetic study in the Center for Genetic Epidemiology with a team there on over 400,000 women to make sure that this is generalizable to other populations. Uh, uh, But also in addition to that, what's really exciting is that I am uh, trying to get clinical trials up and running. And because this hormone actually is also involved in other forms of nausea and vomiting, so it also is believed to cause the wasting syndrome that cancer patients have, where they have extreme weight loss and muscle wasting and loss of appetite. It's the same hormone that causes that and is also involved in chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. So there are actually already drugs to target this pathway that are in clinical trials to treat cancer. And so I'm really um, hopeful that eventually we can get those drugs Uh, into HG patients and that they will also be effective in treating HG. Preventive Pros, the podcast, is produced by the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences at Keck School of Medicine of USC. To learn more about any of our episodes or to subscribe to our monthly Preventive Dose newsletter featuring the latest in public health research and news, visit pphs.usc.edu forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.